Today I want to talk about the posture of your heart. I want to talk to you about the posture of your heart. If I were to tell you this morning that there is a way that you and I can rightly diagnose our hearts and know whether our hearts are surrendered to God or not, would you be interested in knowing how to do that? I want to repeat that again. If I were to tell you today that there is a way that you can diagnose your heart, your heart, and find out if your heart belongs to the Lord or if your heart belongs to others, amen. would you be interested in knowing how to do that? Amen. If I could tell you today, if I were to tell you today that there's a way that we can take a massive step forward in our spiritual growth in Christ, would you want to know how to take that step forward? Well, I'm going to tell you that there is a way that we can diagnose our hearts. And that there is a way for us to be able to take that step forward. And that way is to evaluating, paying attention to our money. Okay. I want to say that again. If you want to know how to diagnose your heart, find out if your heart is surrendered to God. If you want to know how to take a massive step forward, I want to tell you how to do that. Look at your money and ask yourself about what you care about. The scriptures teach very clearly, teach Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6, 21, this verse I hope that you would never forget for the rest of your life. This is what Jesus says. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you see that? For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So Jesus is talking about a very tangible deal. He's talking about money, resources, income, and a paycheck. And he's saying where that is, that's where your heart is is now in order to better understand this verse what i want to do is look at the verses that are around that verse so that we can get a clear picture of what jesus who's putting on the head of financial advisor is telling us about our giving this is what he says in matthew 6 verse 19 on down do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal So this is clearly talking about material gain, money, funds, and assets, physical treasure. And Jesus says that whatever material gain we have here on earth, it will either be destroyed, rust away, it will either be eaten up, or it can be stolen. So as a financial advisor to us, he says, don't do that. Don't take your money and put it in things where, you know, it could rust away, it could be eaten away, or it could be stolen from you. No, instead of doing that, put your money in a place where you can get an eternal return. Jesus, a financial advisor, wants us to put our monies in a place where we can get an eternal return. And he says to us, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Instead of making bad investments here on earth on temporal things that satisfy only for a moment, he says to us, why not make our investment in heaven where whatever we store will be kept for us and will never lose its worth? It will never lose its value. It can never be taken from us. It can never rust, and it will never be eaten away. Now, that's a great investment. Now, I know that Jesus wants to be our financial advisor. I know that Jesus wants to teach us how to handle our resources, our money, our paycheck, our week-to-week paycheck. And why do I know that? Number one, because a third of the teaching of Jesus in the gospel deal with money. Do you know that today? A third of the things that Jesus taught in the Bible dealt with finances. Here's another deal. Why do I know that Jesus is interested in being our financial advisor? Because, secondly, because he is here in this scripture that we just read, teaching and clearly telling us that there is a trend. There's a stock trend, per se. And there is something that he can see that we cannot see because we're not into spiritual stocks as much as he is. But he knows exactly what our resources can do for the kingdom of heaven. And he's able to look past this earth to see exactly what happens with our treasure. So we know that he's a good advisor, which cares, an advisor who cares about our happiness. Whoa, pastor, are we living for our happiness or for the glory of God? We're living for the glory of God. Consequently, as we give glory to God, we find our joy and our happiness and our peace. We also know that Jesus wants to be our financial advisor for this very key principle that Jesus wants to be Lord of our hearts. Are you with me? He didn't, this whole deal is not about us just being saved and receiving a really good coupon to go to heaven. This is about Jesus being Lord of our hearts. 
And if he's going to be Lord of our hearts, he's going to have full access to every area of our hearts. And if he's going to have full access to every area of our hearts, we have to stop being offended about the money issue. Because the money issue, that belongs to God. So when we look at this and we realize the reality that Jesus wants to be our financial advisor and he wants to have full access to our money, then we have to understand the ramifications of what I'm saying to us. What I am saying to us is this. We can no longer compartmentalize our money from our spiritual walk. We can no longer afford to look at our finances as something that has nothing to do with Jesus. And I understand that many of us are really hurt because we've heard things said about money in the church that were really off and didn't please God. But nonetheless, we cannot separate our money from our relationship with Jesus. All of it belongs to him. And here's a prime example, Jesus and the rich man. The rich man, there was a rich man in the gospel that came to Jesus and said to Jesus, Jesus, what good thing must I do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus gave him a list of some commandments. He says to them, well, do not steal, do not covet, honor your father and mother. And the rich man said, yes, I've done all these things since my youth, but what do I still lack? In other words, this rich man had an awareness that there was something missing. Interesting enough, Jesus says, this one thing you lack. Give everything you have to the poor. In other words, take your financial treasure, give it away, and follow me. Whoa. This young man had grown up thinking that he can compartmentalize that part of his life. And I'm going to tell you that no matter how much money we have or whether we find ourselves below the income bracket of, of, of poverty or whether we find ourselves with a lot of money, we can be rich in our hearts if Jesus doesn't have full access to our money. Are you with me? It's not an issue of status. It's an issue of posture. Where's your heart at? So because of this, we talk about the money issue because we understand that the money issue is a very relevant issue and more than likely if jesus said your heart will be where your treasure is there are some issues with money that jesus wants to deal with us about there's probably some strongholds there some things in other words a stronghold mean that there may be some things that are holding us back or keeping us from growing in christ because we're not seeing our finances as a part of our spiritual walk but jesus clearly states in these verses that we're about to read that a christian who is not a giving christian is an unhealthy christian or a person whose giving is that directed towards the kingdom of god is a very dark person spiritually speaking now Let's read that. How does it, where does it say that, Pastor? Let's continue to read the verses below. Uh, in that same script, scripture, uh, the eye, verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. Now, this is Jesus still talking about finances. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Now, Jesus just said, whatever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when he's talking about eyes, he's talking about what's the purpose of your life. And the purpose of your life will be closely tied to your resources. Because if the purpose of your life is personal benefit, then you're going to take your money and use it for your personal benefit. But if the purpose of your eyes for your life are to bless the kingdom, then you're going to take your money and obviously use it for the kingdom and the glory of God. Does that make sense? Are you following so far? And so, but in, okay, so it says that the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, if your purpose is not the kingdom of God, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Exclamation point. We need to pay attention to that. Verse 24. And then he caps that whole portion, that, that discussion there with saying this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See that? So again, Jesus is saying, no, you can't have two compartments. Your money and your spiritual walk, they're one. You can't serve both God and money, right? And more than that, he says, you can tell what you love and who you hate. What you appreciate, what you despise. Isn't that a challenging scripture? I don't know about you, but it's a challenging scripture for me. So when I look at these verses and I realize, you know, we need to handle this money issue gently. We need to handle it with, with, a, with a lot of grace, but we need to handle it because it's a real issue today in our lives. I realized what could happen to our church and what can happen to us if we don't talk about it at all. 
become one of these places to say, well, we don't, we don't want to talk about it. What are some of the things that could happen? I'm just going to go through some of those things. Number one, if we don't talk about the money issue and we don't challenge ourselves financially and we don't line up to the kingdom, the will of God, the vision and mission of the church becomes lifeless. If we don't talk about the money issue, the vision and mission of the church become lifeless. The church will struggle in accomplishing the vision God has given her. Now, I am completely convinced that every great cause and every great accomplishment requires a great investment. Every great cause and every great accomplishment requires a great investment. Now, we have set ourselves to a great cause, and that is to know God and to make him known. We say that we are real people from all walks of life advancing the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I am convinced that if, in fact, we're going to advance the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, if these things happen, it will be in great part connected to our willingness to honor God with our giving, with our faithful tithing, with our faithful offering, and our faithful support of missionaries. If we are, in fact, going to advance the cause of Christ in his kingdom, then we are going to be radically financially committed to his cause. Again, Jesus says in another verse, Something radical about the kingdom of heaven, again, dealing with money. He says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. So what is he saying about the kingdom of heaven? It's like what? Treasure. Okay. It's treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Get this picture of this man who's just traveling on a long journey, and he's walking through this field, and he's like, man, this field is ugly. They don't even cut the grass here. What's wrong with these people? Right? And then, you know, just all of a sudden, doop. Discovering this amazing treasure. He's so happy about this, he's got a Kool-Aid smile. <laughs> he covers it up, and he already in his mind had, is making plans to sell and get rid of everything he had for the treasure that he found in that field. Now, the scripture says the kingdom of heaven, the cause of the kingdom... This eternal reality about the kingdom of heaven, salvation, the peace of God, the joy of God, and relationship with Jesus is so, it's that treasure. And that a man, when, he, when a man truly finds it, he is so overwhelmed, overtaken by it, that he gives up everything he has. Again, Jesus talking about something supernatural, something spiritual, deeply connected to someone's finances. Do you see that today? In other words, your money matters. Your money matters to you, your money matters to others, and your money matters to the kingdom. Your money can affect you spiritually, your money can affect others spiritually, spiritually, and your money can affect the outcome of someone's life eternally. This is why we have Josh and Tanya Jacks here today. He said, listen to what he said, we were welcomed in a village where no foreigner was welcomed before. What do you think helped Josh and Tanya get to Laos? What do you think bought a plane ticket for Josh and Tanya to get to Laos? What do you think continues to support them so that they can do the work of God? Oh, just our prayer, pastor, and somehow the money tree. It's called your check. Are you with me? God calling the people of God to fall in love with heavenly treasure so much that they give up their earthly treasure for it. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. If we advance the kingdom of God and grow as a church, it will be because our joy for what God is doing here at the rock is so bubbling in us that we give out of faith and commitment to the vision that God has given us here. Now, wherever your home church, whether you're visiting here today or this is your home or whether you're listening on the web, God intends for you and I to be invested in our home church. God intends for us to be faithful with tithing and offering and supporting the cause of the church. And if our checkbooks don't reflect that, then we need to begin to ask God, God, what's going on? How am I not lining up to your will? Or what are you saying to me? How would you counsel me in regards to handling my finances in a way that honors you? Something else happens. Not only does the vision of the church and the mission become lifeless when we don't give, or when we're not generous, or when we don't talk about the money issue, but something else happens. It's very serious for you and I, and that is that we miss out on God's blessings financially. We miss out on God's blessings financially. 
Verse 33 of the same chapter 6, Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, here in this portion of Scripture, Jesus is saying, Why are you worried about your food? Don't the birds eat all the time? God provides filet mignon for them. Why are you worried about what you're going to eat? He says to them, Why are you worried about what you're going to wear? Don't worry about those things. Why are you worried about your clothes and your food? God will take care of that. What you need to do is focus on the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now pay attention to what Jesus is saying. This is radical and offensive. He's saying, instead of focusing first your investment on your money and your clothes, focus first on the kingdom of God. I mean, how were people responding to that? Don't worry about food. Give your money to the kingdom of God. Well, don't I have to eat? Don't a brother got to eat? Let me take care of that. <laughs> but I got to eat. <laughs> but Jesus is saying, look, the kingdom of God has to be so much more important to us that we put respons- our responsibility to that greater than anything else, any want, or even any need. That's radical. Not only does the church struggle in fulfilling the vision, but we struggle as, we become, uh, as well because, uh, because we're not honoring God by seeking his kingdom first. And I believe that we miss out on God's blessing when we choose not to give because we are afraid of what we are giving up as opposed to being hopeful about what we stand to gain. Remember what Jim Elliott says. He says, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he can never lose. One of the biggest blessings, one of the biggest financial blessings... That, that happened in my life actually is connected to this Laos story. I, I remember, oh, to me it's big. Maybe, to me it's a big deal. I remember when Zach and Danica and Joy came and visited the church, and they were super, they were super encouraging. I was just so glad, and I was going to service just to receive, you know. I was I'm coming to receive. I'm going to get my blessing, right? And I just went to church, and it was wonderful, and worship started before the preaching of the word. The Lord told me, I want you to give them your guitar. And I began to rebuke. I said, Lord, talk to DJ. Talk, look at DJ Salvation. I just have an even yes. I just got it. Lord, I'm still paying on it. This can't be you. Devil, I rebuke you. <laughs> oh, okay, you don't have those struggles, right? Sit in service. God asks you to give something. I'm like, I don't want to do this. All service long. Give it. No. Give it. No. Give it. No. 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 I was really struggling with this issue. Finally, I made up my mind. I got to obey God. I'm still paying on this guitar. So I make up my mind. I got to give this really quickly. I'm going to put it in a case. I'm going to put everything in it. I'm going to give it. And then we're going to leave the church before I change my mind. And we do that. I give that guitar away. And I'm going to tell you what I missed. It. I, I, I really struggled. It was a $360 guitar. I couldn't afford $360 for a guitar at that point. But do you know that a friend of mine came to visit me uh, later on? And he said to me, the Lord told me, I feel like I'm supposed to give this to you. And he gave me a brand new tailor. It's worth $1,500 with two guitar cases, one to travel with and one to take around here. Over $2,000 worth. Now, what's the increase between three hundred sixty dollars to $2,000? I should be joyous, right, when this happens. But all I'm doing is eating humble pie in my spirit. It's like, oh, and I question you, didn't I, God? <laughs> are you with me that was that was tough but i'm gonna tell you i tell you that if you bless god you can never if you do things for the kingdom of god you can never outgive god you can never ever outgive god i i'm a witness of that but let me tell you one of the greatest gifts that are more valuable than the two thousand dollar uh gift that i've ever received let me tell you something that you and i can can have that's better than having a hundred billion dollars you ready contentment contentment sometimes we're going to be faithful and giving to god and we're going to go through some financial crisis even in our faithfulness to giving to god but i'm going to tell you it's going to be much better to have contentment in jesus than to have a million bucks in our bank account and not depending on him are you with me one of the greatest miracles we need today is contentment i remember being in college and this girl was driving this incredible toyota 
It was a Toyota. I like Toyotas. And I was, all of my college days, I was walking to school and walking to work. And she had this Toyota. And I thought, man, I, in my mind, I'm like, I could really use a little car like this. And she was in a, <laughs> she was giving me a ride to school. And she was just <sighs> doing all this. I was like, what's, what's going on? She's a woman of God shouldn't be driving this car. It's like, girl, what you talking about? Give me this car. A woman of God should, give me a bike in the name of Jesus. You're, you with me? Sometimes some of the things we believe, they're. God's blessing sometimes is contentment. And God's blessing is having a car that doesn't bring you into incredible debt. Right? Right? I mean, think about God's blessing. I went to Nicaragua and I saw people living in mountains, in huts, in, with, a, with a hammock in the middle, having absolutely, living in remote places with joy and contentment and happy. I talked to a young man and I said to him, tell me about this. He just loved the Lord. He had this smile. He had this little business and lived in one of these huts. And he says, I just have Jesus. I, I'm happy with him. I don't need all the things that Americans have. It's like, whoa. That was challenging for me. Contentment. When we give to the Lord, when we honor God, we miss out on the miracle of contentment. I know a lot of people with a lot of money chasing the next big thing. One of the biggest blessings we give up by not giving faithfully to the Lord is the blessing of contentment. Consequently, Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, to the Philippians, I'm so glad that you gave again. It's incredible that you gave again. It really encourages me, but I want you to know something. Verse 11, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Are you with me? He's basically talking about contentment and going through difficult times that no matter what I'm going through, I'm content because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that incredible? What's another thing that happens? So, number one, the church struggles when we don't talk about the money issue. Secondly, we miss, we miss out on God's blessing. And third, this is very serious. Are you with me? God cannot move when our money don't belong to him. What? God doesn't have the freedom to move. What are you trying to talk? What, what does that mean? Are you really saying that God's move and revival and the presence of God and the move of the Holy Spirit is tied to our finances? Yes, I am. I am totally 100% convinced that it, it's completely tied together. Let me give you some biblical examples. Moses called to the people because God asked the people to build an ark, right? This incredible ark that will lead the people, including all kinds of different elements and different things. And it required a lot of resources. The people of God got together and they began to lift up resources to do this work. The Bible says that the people looked at, that Moses had to look, the people had to look at, uh, Moses had to look at the people and say to them, stop giving. You've given so much, we can't receive anymore. They received so much. That, that, that they had to put a stop to all that they were taking in. Consequently, directly after the accomplishment of that which God called them to do, funded by the resources of the people, God's power moved in such greatness, such glory, that the people couldn't even enter into the ark. They couldn't enter in because God's glory and his presence was there. Here's another portion of Scripture. David wanted to build a temple to the Lord, but God said to David, it's not for you to build, it's for your son. But David was so excited about it that he began to save up all kinds of money and resources, all kinds of money and resources to prepare uh, so that the temple could be built. And he looked at his son and he looked at the officials and he says to them in a portion of scripture, he says to them, I've got all these resources that I've saved so that you can build a temple for the Lord. And the, the leaders and the officials, they were so moved by what David had done, that they themselves gave out of their resources in order to fund the building of the temple of the Lord. And immediately afterwards, when the temple was built, Solomon prayed, the glory of God fell so heavy that even the priests couldn't enter into the temple because God's glory was in that place. Where was God's glory? In the place where the people of God listened, obeyed, and resourced. Isn't that incredible? God's glory moved in power in that place. But we don't have to look just in the Old Testament to see this happen. Go with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. 
as we go there. This is what the scripture teaches us about the first century church that experienced all the glory of God. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostle teachers and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. You know what that means? That means that they believed in the gospel so much that they relinquished everything they had to promote the gospel. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You know what that means? It means that as people were gifted and talented, as they had skill sets, that they were blessing each other. Imagine a Christian community that would come alongside this way, that they would honor each other, pay fair wages to Christian businessmen, and vice versa, right? Where the kingdom of God is growing and, and, and really being blessed by the favor of God. I, I think it's powerful to think, think that way. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, all the believers were of one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Again. Do you see that? If, if our spiritual life has nothing to do with our giving, then why in the world does Luke write so much about what the church gave? No one claimed that any of their possession was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy person among them. Hmm. For from time to time, those who owned land or house sold them, brought the money from the cells and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. This is incredible radical giving. You know, I talk to some people sometimes who I say, you know, do you tithe? No, I don't tithe. And tithe is basically, we believe in giving 10% of what we make unto the Lord, right? And to support our local church. And so, uh, I asked him, do you, do you tithe, brother? No, I don't tithe because I only see that in the Old Testament. I don't see that in the New Testament. Oh, really? So, so do you give according to the New Testament? Because that is some serious giving. Right? People are selling homes, giving up everything. Boy, I think tithing is a great beginning step. Some people say, you know, uh, Pastor, so what do I tithe out of my growth from my net? Listen, just tithe. Just begin to tithe. The church is so weak in that area, right? As a whole, not, not the rock, but as a whole. But New Testament giving was so radical, and this is why I want to point out this scripture. You can't separate the miracles, the work of God, and the understanding of the Word of God from generosity. There's no way that you can take it out of the DNA of what God was doing in Acts. So in light of all this scripture, I'm not going to pick up another offering. Do not worry. Right? We, do you notice we already had an offering? I just want you to sit and meditate and chew on this. I hope that this is more than just an offering. I hope that you understand my heart. I'm not preaching so that I can get a better offering. This is a life issue. This is a discipleship issue. Right? In light of what I said about money today and how it's connected to our spiritual walk, what does your treasure say about your heart posture? What does our treasure, what do our finances say about where our hearts are at? We'll close with one more story. If somebody can help me with this pulpit, I'll close with one more story, Brother Dave. David did something awful that brought the judgment of God. And God, the angel of the Lord, was moving around the camp of Israel and people were dying because of the judgment of God. And David interceded for the people. And God said to David, offer me a sacrifice. Offer me a sacrifice. And so David in that field, that he ended up in the field of a man and he wanted to offer that sacrifice to God in that field. And he went to this man who had witnessed the angel of the Lord do all these devastations. And he says, would you, would you let, let me buy your field from you so that I can offer this sacrifice to the Lord. And that man says, man, you don't have to buy anything. I can see what's going on. You can have my land and I'll give you the sacrifice, right? Can you imagine what the visual must have been? 
David, inter- I, see, I get this visual of David sitting there just interceding, interceding, saying, God, take me. Do not judge your people. And the angel of the Lord just wreaking devastation. I get that picture. And I see this guy in the background like, <gasps> just looking at all this, right, from the window. And all of a sudden he says, man, you can have my field. You don't have to buy it. I'll give you everything you need. But David says this critical thing that you and I need to think about. He says, absolutely not. How can I offer unto my God something that didn't cost me anything? How can I offer unto my God something that didn't cost me anything? About your Christian, let me, let me ask you about your Christianity. Let me ask you about your spiritual walk. Are you offering God something that didn't cost? Are we offering God something that doesn't cost us anything? I look at the landscape of church and people come to church and it seems like I hear things like, you know, well, I like this church because this church offers this to me and it offers that to me. Now, that's all good. I'm not judging those things. And I, and I think this church is great. I, every time I go, it meets my need. I feel encouraged. I feel refreshed. But are you a part of that life giving church as well? Are you giving life to that church that you belong to? It's your Christian walk, your spiritual walk, your growth in the Lord. Is it costing you something or is it cost, costing nothing? Something for us to ponder. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I heard a preacher say this, and I'm going to share it with you. Uh, He said, for God so loved the world that what did he do? He gave. Stop there. He gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? His most prized possession. He bankrupted heaven for you and I. He gave him whom the world was created through, for, and by. He gave the jewel of heaven, his prized possession. That verse was said about us. For we so loved God that we gave. What would it be said about us? Father, right now as we turn before you, I thank you for giving us vision over our finances, Lord. And I thank you, God, that uh, when you look down at our checkbooks, uh, that they would reflect that we really are are about your kingdom. In the next following weeks, we're going to hear incredible testimonies of how you've provided for people because they were faithful to you. Because they believed in your word. And Lord God, my desire is, is truly simply that we will be willing to say jesus teach me how to honor you with our money with my money that's that's the goal here that we will come before you with our checkbook and say lord you are god over this too lord i just thank you god i thank you for the miraculous power of your holy spirit to help us redeem this idea that our money and our checkbook is separate from our spiritual walk. Father, glorify yourself with everything that we have for your glory, for your honor. Right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you find yourself like a rich man and you're saying, you know, today as I hear this message, I realize that's the one thing I've lacked. My finances are not really in line with the Word of God and what I know the Word of God says about them. And uh, uh, would you pray for me, Pastor? Would you raise your hand right where you're at? Just lift them right down. Amen. 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 Father, right now they raise their hands and they're saying, God, we know that our finances are not where they should be, but we're calling on you. Help us teach us to walk according to your will and walk by faith. And so I thank you for, for... God, uh, I thank you for their faith to raise their hand. I thank you for their faith, oh God. And they're saying, I want to live, I want that part of my life to be submitted to God too. I want it all to be submitted to God. And I thank you for your favor, your blessing, contentment, and prosperity. And I thank you for vision and for walk, uh, for a walk of faith to rise in your people, God, that they would walk by faith, God, and trust you. You are the God of the impossibilities. Nothing is impossible for you. Lord, I thank you, God, for returning, for taking them back to those deep convictions they have, but honoring you with their finances, but honoring you. 
their finances. Lord, I thank you right now, God, that not only our finances, but all of our lives will be completely submitted to you in every way. Father, that there will be no compartments, nothing in our lives that you don't have full access to. Ultimately today, not only do I want to pray for you to line up your lives financially to the will of God, but I want to pray as well for whatever need there may be there in your life right now. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I realize that God doesn't have full access to my heart. There are things that I need to surrender to Him. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you come to the altar? We'd love to pray with you. Or maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor, I, I don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I don't know where I am eternally. I don't know if I'm going to heaven or hell. I don't know where I'm at. And I need prayer. I want to give my life to Jesus today. If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? Don't waste one more moment. Don't waste one more moment. The altars are open. If you're here today and you're saying, I want to give my life to the Lord this morning, we'd love to pray with you. Would you come up right now? Would you come up right now? Take advantage of this opportunity to invest your life in eternity, to give your all to Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing here at The Rock. Thank you for your work, Lord God. Lord, continue to teach us to handle our finances in our lives and leave them totally surrendered to you in every way. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your work this morning. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. The altars are open. We're going to be praying today. If you'd like to come up and you need prayer, please do not hesitate. Maybe you're at a place where you need a financial miracle. We'd love to pray with you today. Would you come to the altar? The altars are open. Honored to be here, seeing so many friends, you know, old friends, new friends, uh, family. And, uh, it's just a joy to be in a place that loves the presence of God. I mean, you have it on your wall, encountering God. And before I share, I asked Pastor Carlos if this is okay, and he said it was. I just wanted to share something that the Lord put on my heart during worship. I, I'm not really a crier, uh, but today I just kind of lost it. And um, the Lord, when we were singing, nothing is impossible, over and over, I just people, my family members, some of your family members, um, faces were just flashing in front of my eyes. Nations were just flashing through my mind. We were singing, nothing is impossible. And some of you are like seriously in need of hope this morning. You've said in your heart, you've said, God, I don't know how this person is ever going to come to you. God, I don't know how I'm ever going to get over this addiction. God, I don't know. This is impossible. And this morning, I want you to know that we serve a God of the impossible. You can ask Delana. We've seen God do the impossible in Laos, and God can do it right here. And so I don't know what that means for somebody. I just want you to be encouraged. Uh, but I know there are people that have lost hope. But God wants to give you back your hope this morning. Amen? Amen. So is it okay good. if I just pray real quick? Yes. God, I just thank you that you are a God who loves, who desperately loves your people. And God, I pray that you would restore hope to people this morning who have lost it, God. That we've said in our hearts, this is impossible. But God, we look to you this morning, the God of the impossible, and we ask that you would look down on your sons and your daughters, and you would show your grace and your mercy to us, and you would come through for us in a big way. God, we believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor, for letting me share that. Um, well, we're, we're missionaries to Laos. Um, this is my wife, Tanya. Uh, there she is. And uh, my two sons, Noah and Asa, they're not with us this morning. We're getting ready to head back. And so they're with uh, Grandma and Grandpa on this last Sunday here. And uh, we didn't ever think that we would be missionaries. But in 2009, God started changing our hearts from being people that sent to being people that went. And over the past several years of serving with the Gordon family and serving with Delana and serving with uh, the Mobiuses, our families experienced a lot of firsts. We had the first time, you know, saying bye to our friends and family, packing up, moving to a third world communist country. First time, you know, having sick kids in a town and not really knowing where to take them. Uh, we also walked through the death of one of our parents for the very first time. But on the other side, we got to share the gospel with someone who had never heard. 
We got to walk into villages where the name of Jesus had never been spoken before. And it was through all those ups and downs, all those mountains and those valleys, that the prayers and the support of people here in the States helped us to get through those times so that we can make an impact on the nation of Laos. And so I want to thank you for everything that you've done for our friends, for the people of Laos. It means a lot to my family. It means a lot to the people of Laos. And I know it means a lot to the Lord that you would give of your time, you would give of your resources so that people on the other side of the planet could know this God of the impossible that we serve. And so thank you. We really, we really, really appreciate this opportunity. Well, Laos is a closed and persecuted country uh, that borders China and Thailand where it's actually illegal to preach the gospel. Um, our boss a few years ago was arrested. Um, last month, there was a, a pastor and eight of his congregation in southern Laos that was arrested immediately after service. And so this is the reality that Christians face on a daily basis, basis in Laos. So we go in undercover as English teachers to build relationships and make disciples. And a prime example of what we do comes from my friend Singcom. Everybody say Singcom. This is Singcom. And he was one of my students uh, that came over to the house one day after one of our English clubs to get pictures from one of our previous English clubs. And as he opened up his computer, I saw that my family's picture was the background wallpaper on his computer. And my Western mind thought that was a little strange, but as I got to know him, I said, wow, God, you know, you have brought Syncom to us. He said, you know, I just love your family. I just, I want to be a part of it. And so we prayed and we committed to the Lord. We said, God, we'll do whatever it takes to love Syncom into the kingdom. Whether that was paying for one of his English terms to having him over to the house all the time. I mean, this guy became part of our family. He was Uncle Syncom to our son Noah. Well, about 10 months into this, Syncom's family invited me to go back to his village. And so we hopped in a speed the light truck, drove seven hours, you know, over the mountains, through the jungles to Syncom's village. And the main event from this trip to his village came when all the village leaders decided that they wanted to throw a party for Syncom and I. So we had this party, and at the end of it, these village leaders decided to pray for me. So two by two, whether you were the village witch doctor, village chief, village police chief, if you were important, you were here. And two by two, these guys, they come down and they put their hands on mine and they pray to their gods and they pray to their spirits that I would have long life, lots of kids, lots of money, which after having kids now, you know, I realize that the, the lots of kids and lots of money thing don't really go, go hand in hand, but they prayed it. And at the same time, I was able to put my hands on theirs. And I was able to pray to the real God who hears my voice. And I said, God, would you open up this guy's eyes? God, would you open up this guy's heart? God, would your light shine in this dark village? It was one of the most incredible moments in my life. Well, the next day, you know, Singkami, he comes up to me and he says, Josh, this is really cool. There's never been another foreigner come to my village before. And I said, wow, Singkami, that is pretty cool, you know? Being the first anything, let alone the first, you know, foreigner to come to your village. But then that's when it hit me that in over 2,000 years, 2,000 years since the Great Commission, 2,000 years since the baptism of the Holy Spirit to go, this is the very first time that Jesus had ever been invited to walk into Sincom's village. And it wasn't through great preaching, it wasn't through anointed worship or a sweet website, but it was because day in and day out, we loved Sincom on purpose. I want to show you guys a video. You're going to see the people that we are loving on purpose. You're going to see Singcom. You're going to see our family. You're going to see the Buddhism, the spirit worship, the poverty. And at the end, you're going to see what God's doing.
this closed and persecuted country where our team's goal is to see one disciple in the first few years through our team and through the loud disciples, we've seen hundreds of people come to follow Christ. Our English school has gone from 30 students to several hundred students. But we don't judge ourselves by the great things that God has done in the past. We judge ourselves by the people that we still need to reach. I wish I could tell you that Syncom is following Jesus right now, but he said he's about 50-50 with Jesus and with the spirits. It's difficult for people like Syncom because he knows that if what I say is true, then everyone that he's ever known has gone down the wrong path. And Syncom and his family and his village join over 5 million people in Laos today that are considered unreached. This means that more than likely they will never meet a Christian They will never see a Bible. They will never attend a home group. The good news is only good if it gets there in time. And more than likely, these people will be born, they will live, and they will die without ever once hearing the life-giving, the eternity-changing message of the gospel. And friends, we are not okay with that. And so we are ready to get back to our people. We are ready to get back to Syncom. We are ready to see God do the impossible in Laos. But right now we're looking for people to go with us, people to go with us through prayer, through giving, and through going and working alongside us. And so if you'd like to help us reach Laos in any of these areas, please go to the table. You can sign up for our prayer and video updates, pick up a pledge form. You can ask us any other questions that you might have about Laos. I want to thank you again for everything that y'all are doing for Laos, the stuff that you've done in the past and are continuing to do. It really means a lot to us. Remember, they may be unreached, but they are not unreachable. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you for the privilege. Amen. All right. I want you guys around them to put your hands, lay hands on Brother Josh and Sister Tanya, and let's pray for them. Thank you for them, Jesus. Thank you, God, for their walk, for their faithfulness to you. I bless them, God. I thank you for resourcing them, God, giving them all they need for your kingdom. I thank you, God, for opening doors that need to be opened and closing doors that need to be closed. I thank you, God, that they've listened to your Holy Spirit saying, come here, I got to work for you. And I thank you, God, for the incredible privilege you've given us to be a part of this. I pray your blessing over them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Truly, it's a privilege for us to be able to uh, just hear what God's doing there. And uh, thank you for, for allowing us to, to be a part of those that support you. We would love to pick up this couple and, and support them on a monthly basis. We love to be able to say, hey, from this point on, as you go out to the mission field, they're going to be there for how many years now? They're going to be there three to four years. They leave December. All of their support comes through churches that support, right, from people who believe in what God is doing uh, through them. And so we want to be a part of that church that supports them as they do their work. How do we do that? How do we raise support for missions? Number one, by letting them share their story with you. And secondly, by giving you an opportunity to give. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I want to give a one-time offering and I want to just be a blessing to them. We welcome you to grab an envelope and write Josh and Tanya Jacks um, and, and just whatever God puts on your heart to give. We welcome you to do that. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, I want to, I want to commit to give monthly, uh, to monthly support them for the stretch of three to four years that they're out. I want to support them. We would love to be a part of a church who supports them that way. And Typically, we support missions because you support missions, because you are we, <laughs> right? We are the church. And so we would love to be a part of the ch- uh, one of the churches that do that, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm believing that's going to happen. And I want to give you that opportunity today uh, to, again, uh, to give in that area as well as uh, being faithful with all of your giving. So will the ushers come up at this time? Let's bless God with our